What is up, everybody, and welcome back to Emerald Sports here with episode number 11 now. Uh, as always, I am your host, Brennan Ferber, and today joined by one of the best sports writers the Daily Emerald has to offer, Joseph Mojo Hill. Joseph, how you doing, man? Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, uh, so we're going to cover baseball today, which is something right. we have yet to talk about this year. Uh, I know you've been covering them a lot this year. You've been to games. Uh, you're actually going to the tournament. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, we're raising money, uh, trying to go to Arizona next week. I already have my flights booked. I'm going to be there from Monday to Monday. And Oregon wow, plays yeah. at least two games, you know, depending on how well they do. Um, hopefully they make it all the way to Sunday and, and win the championship. Awesome. Well, this is actually perfect timing then. I didn't realize you were going to be there for that long. But yeah, without further ado, let's jump into it, shall we? We'll just get started with kind of getting a little sense of where the Ducks are at right now. And the bats are hot. I think it's safe to say they're coming off their first series win at Arizona State in program history, as well as setting a new single season run total, which is pretty big. Uh, This was the last regular season road trip of the year, as they will have Gonzaga in town tonight. Uh, But we're actually recording tonight, so this will probably be released later this week. And then they have a series against Arizona after that, which you will be at. Uh, And then it's tournament time. That's starting May 25th. Uh, so a little more glimpse kind of at the standings. They're 31, 21, 15, 12 in conference and where things are in the Pac-12, they're fifth. So Mojo, uh, I guess just what are your takeaways of the season thus far? Yeah, well, the, the story for most of the season has been great offense and inconsistent pitching, uh, particularly with walks. They allow way too many walks. I mean, and it was glaring in that series last week against Oregon State. Yeah. Um, you know, Oregon State's one of the most disciplined teams in the country, and they, they also don't issue walks. They're they're first in the entire nation in uh, you know lowest walks per nine innings, whereas Oregon is last in the Pac-12 and like 209th in the country, something like that. So there's your difference. Uh, Oregon State won all five season matchups, and and last week was was uncharacteristically brutal in terms of offense. They they hadn't been shut out in over three years, uh, hadn't been shut out at all in the Mark Wazikowski era, and then they were shut out three times in a span of eight days. And yeah, and then it, that carried into Tuesday when they lost three nothing at home to UCSD. Uh, and they only they almost got no hit, they only got one hit and it didn't even leave the infield. Then they had a team meeting Wednesday and whatever they said in that team meeting worked because they've yeah. scored double yeah. digits three times in the last four games. You know, you're right. The, the bats are hot. They, they've gotten back, which is good. They're going to need that heading into the final stretch because last week was, was a bit worrisome when suddenly they weren't hitting anymore. So they, they weren't doing much right. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, I would have loved to have been a, a fly on the wall in that meeting. But uh, I mean, I'll try to sugarcoat it as much as possible. You know, we all know the reputation that Oregon baseball has. Right. Not a very luxurious program, especially when you got Corvallis 45 minutes away, who's one of the top programs in the country. Uh, but I don't want to say expectations were high for this team, but they did show promise last year. And they were very young, too. Uh, they played when COVID restrictions were still looming, and they still went 20 and 10 in conference. Uh, so I guess, you know, right now they're 15 and 12. What do you think has been missing exactly that they had last year and, and don't this year? Yeah, well, I, I definitely think Mark Wasikowski is heading this program in the right direction. I agree. Um, you know, it's, it's not something that happens overnight. And, and it's certainly not complete. You know, Oregon State is still seen as a superior team, but Oregon, they're holding their own. You know, they've become at least a nationally prominent team, still some work to do. You know, compared to last year, it's interesting because they lost their three best hitters and their three best pitchers. And yeah. so there, there are plenty of worries going into the season. Offensively, they did more than enough to actually fill those gaps, surprisingly. You know, they've had the the breakout of Colby Shade. Uh, they got two transfers in Brennan Malone and uh, Drew Cowley, who have been amazing. Um, 
yeah, they, they've had uh, Jacob Walsh, a freshman, kind of replace Gabe Matthews in that role. So, that, you know, the offense has actually been better than last year. And like you said, they, they set the single-season runs record already. Mm-hmm. Even a couple weeks before that, they set the single-season home runs record. Um, but what's been missing is starting pitching. They, they lost uh, Robert Allstrom, Colin right. Kafka, Brett Walker from last year. And they did get one really good transfer, Adam Meyer, this year, who got hurt for the season. He only made three starts. He should be back next year, but... You know, he, he was supposed to be their, their Friday guy, the guy they were relying on, and, and he's gone, so they've had to settle for Isaac Aon, who has potential but mm-hmm. just hasn't been consistent. Um, they've tried R.J. Gordon in and out of the rotation. He's found more success in the bullpen, so they've kind of been going back and forth there. A lot of bullpen games where they'll just throw a guy for two innings sometimes, sometimes even one. Um, and then recently they've tried this guy, Jay Stoffel, out of the rotation. He was supposed to be their number three guy going into the year, but he got hurt over winter break. Um, he's a, a sophomore. It's, it's his first, um, first, first dose of, of Oregon baseball, and and he's you know he hasn't proved himself yet. So they they really don't have any guy in the rotation they they can rely on. They, the bullpen has certainly helped at times. Um, you know it's helped pick up that slack, but. Yeah, definitely still a ton of question marks in the, in the starting rotation, especially. Yeah, and I'm really glad you mentioned uh, Brennan Malone, and not just because his name is also Brennan. Uh, oh, let yeah. the record show spelled the exact same way, too. That's, exactly. that's something yeah. I haven't seen. But yeah, I mean, they have lost a few guys. You mentioned guys like Kenyon Yovan, Aaron Zavala, Gabe Matthews. Right. That's not even touching on the pitching. Um, who do you think they've missed the most? And then who do you think maybe has stepped up the most of this this quarter group that they have this season? Well, I, I think they they definitely miss Robert Alstrom because yeah. that, that guy could give them you know six seven innings of just really solid solid performance every Friday night, and they just haven't gotten that this year. They they don't have anyone like that, and it's interesting because on Friday they they moved Christian Chifatelli to the Friday role, which is different. He's he's a reliever. He's the hardest thrower on the team. Um, he's a senior who's kind of having his best uh, season, and he went two and two thirds. Was pretty good. And they brought in R.J. Gordon out of the bullpen, even mm. though he'd been struggling in the rotation. And and he was great. He almost yeah. finished the game. He went six in the third inning. So, yeah, we'll see if they can kind of patch things together together there. But, but yeah, like like back to your question. Um, yeah, they, they definitely miss Robert Allstrom the most. Um, but I think a lot of guys have stepped up. Jacob Walsh has stepped up, even yeah. though he's struggled a bit lately. Um, he, he did hit a homer recently, so maybe he's back. But to have a freshman hitting close to Gabe Matthews' level of production already is pretty impressive. Brendan Malone has basically been the new Kenyon Yovan, hitting for mm-hmm. similar numbers, and he's been primarily their DH. Um, Drew Cowley's kind of been the new Aaron Zavala. He did miss a month with an injury, but but he's back and he's hitting well over 400, on base over 500. Um, yeah, Colby Shade is, is also you know sort of filled that mm-hmm. role. You know. Again, another guy who's slipped a little recently, but he got off to an insanely hot start. He's still hitting over 300. So, yeah, they, they've had some guys really step up in the lineup, and it's just been a completely different story in the starting rotation. Yeah, Anthony Hall, too. I mean, he's right. been big. He's yeah. leading the team in, in RBIs. Yeah, I, um, I have to mention him. He's, In my yeah. opinion, he's probably the best hitter on the team. Like, If, if I could take any one of their guys going forward to have as a prospect, I would, yeah. I would take Anthony Hall. I don't take any issue with that statement, yeah. but uh, we're going to try to get a little nitpicky here and move uh-huh. into some of the pitching. Uh I know Isaac Aon was a guy you liked last year, coming in as a freshman, showed a lot of promise. Uh, he is leading the team in strikeouts, so, I mean, there's been a little growth, but is it as much you expected? I mean, because you've, you've mentioned pitching has been a little bit of a struggle. Yeah. Um, is there? Did you expect him to take more of a jump this year? Well, I definitely had my doubts just because he was only a reliever last year. He wasn't a starter. Yeah. And when you throw a, 
a guy who was a, a freshman reliever into a starting role to expect them to be dominant right away is just unrealistic. Um, and then that's what happened with Aon. You know, he, he's definitely a guy with potential. Waz was super high on him last year. And yeah, he's, he's been inconsistent. He's had flashes of dominance. You know, mm-hmm. he's a guy who maybe as a, a junior or senior, I could see putting up a, a 350, you know, ERA kind of season. Um, but yeah, he's definitely not there yet. He's given up five runs in each of his last two starts. Um, the walks have been an issue, not quite as much as some of these other pitchers on, on this staff. Um, you know, in his recent outing, he didn't walk anyone and he struck out eight, but he still gave up five runs. So it's just, yeah, lack of consistency. Um, but, you know, I think the experience is good for him. I, I definitely wouldn't be too surprised if we see a, a pretty good season from him next year. Yeah, I would agree. And, uh, I mean, there's been a lot of shuffling, too. Mm-hmm. I mean, not just cut, not from going from last teams to this team, but even this team. You have R.J. Gordon, who's really come into his own as kind of a relief pitcher, even though that's not really how he started. Uh, and then in the series against uh, San Francisco, where they pulled, I'm sorry, their names just gave me, like, three starters, gave them a, the day, and ended up winning 15-6. Uh, is that something you want to see more of with this team, maybe closing in on the tournament? Yeah, you know, bullpen games is not the most ideal and sustainable way to, to win games. Yeah. But, but if it works, it works. You know, it, it is a little different from Major League Baseball, uh, you know, because everyone always says baseball is a marathon, not a sprint. And that's definitely true. But it is slightly more of a sprint in college baseball than Major League Baseball because, you know, it's 162 games versus yeah, season's a lot shorter. Like 60 games. So, yeah, you know, whatever works, works. And, you know, if you can get Christian Cifatelli to give you two good innings and then bring in RJ for four or five solid innings. If, if that's what works, then, then go with it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. I mean, it appears too, but I agree with you. It's not something they should definitely try to lean on. But let's take a little glimpse forward as we're closing in on the tournament and, you know, the game tonight. Mm-hmm. Uh, you already mentioned how Oregon and OSU are kind of on opposite ends of the spectrum. You know, you got first and last in walks per nine innings. Uh, that is just one statistic, and obviously, you know, the Beavers are number two in the country. So, I mean, they're good. They're a great program. Uh, is there any hope for Oregon, not only in the Pac-12, but, like, in the long run, or is the competition just too stiff? Yeah, well, in the long run, I, I think, you know, this offseason, they, they definitely need to focus on pitching, uh, yeah. recruiting pitching, maybe get another transfer. They should have Adam Meyer back, which, you know, I was really looking forward to, you know, a full season of seeing Adam Meyer pitch every Friday, so... Hopefully we get that. Um, yeah, the, the Beavers are, you know, yeah, they're a powerhouse. And, you know, looking at their offense this year, they don't quite have as much power as Oregon, but they got on base slightly better. You know, the, overall, they're, they're basically a, an equal offense. I, I might take Oregon's offense slightly, but Oregon State just blows them out of the water in terms of pitching, particularly starting. And they have, they have Cooper Jerpy, who's probably going to be a, a first-round draft pick. This, you know, and yeah. guy putting up insane strikeout numbers, and yeah, Oregon just doesn't have a guy like that that they that they can go to. So, uh huh. And I mean, since this episode's going to come out after the Gonzaga game, I don't want to try to make you look too foolish, but right. if you were to give your predictions for Gonzaga and then the Arizona series, how do you expect things to play out a little bit in the next coming days? Well, I definitely think Gonzaga, who's your expertise here yeah. put it to the test? Gonzaga is going to be a tough game. If they I, beat them earlier in the year, yeah, they didn't did. They, they, they did. did win earlier in the year. Gonzaga um, is higher ranked than they were back when Oregon beat them. Um, if if I had to be a, a little pessimistic, I, I'm going <laughs> to say they lose by like a run or two today. Okay. Hopefully, I'm wrong, but that's kind of what I see happening. And then, you know, the Arizona series is a big series. Um, you know, Arizona's ranked number 25, so mm-hmm. but Oregon's been there at times this season, so 
technically ranked slightly higher, but but certainly within range. And it's interesting because they could be facing a lot of Arizona soon because in the first round of the Pac-12 tournament, the four seed plays the five seed. And right now, Arizona the is two. the four seed and Oregon is the five seed. So it's very likely they'll be playing or, uh, Arizona at 9 a.m. What next Wednesday. Um, so, yeah, they, they, they could be seeing a lot of them, and they haven't even played them at all this, this year. So Yeah, that's true. I mean, you're looking at potentially, I mean, I don't know how many games uh, would be in the tournament. Is it just kind of like a one and done? Uh, it's a, double elimination. Double elimination, yeah. yeah. So three games, because as the standings are right now, you have Oregon State, Stanford. They're both like a game apart. Oregon State, number one. UCLA, Arizona, Oregon, who are a game apart. Arizona State, Washington, Cal, Utah, Washington State, USC. So I don't want to say a lot's riding on this series because no matter the way you slice it, they're probably going to be playing each other. But is there anything in particular you're looking for, maybe in the Gonzaga game in the Arizona series, that might give you a little more optimism towards this tournament? Something if they do really well, like improve the pitching, uh, you think right. could could gear them towards success? Well, if if we see like a really good start from Isaac Aon, which, which mm-hmm. we saw a couple of near the very beginning of the year, but we haven't seen a ton of since then. You know, if we can get six, seven innings, one or two runs from Aon, I, I'd be really encouraged by that. Also, I just want to see a decent outing from Jace Stoffel. I mean, there's been times where he's almost been decent, but, you know, the, the overall numbers aren't good. And even one start where he went like three innings, didn't allow an earned run, Waz still took him out because he wasn't sharp. And, and that the reason he hadn't given up any earned runs was because the, the defense had kind of saved him. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so it's mainly, I, I, you know, I just want to see good outings from, from Aon and Stoffel especially because it's tough to win if those guys aren't going to give you competitive outings. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we've we've critiqued a few players, but is there any that you feel haven't been getting enough credit this season? Because, I mean, right. fifth in the Pac-12, that's not bad. Not great, but middle of the pack. This is still a solid team. Mm-hmm. Um, so anybody you want to give like a shout-out to, I guess. Yeah, well, looking at the, the bullpen, there's mainly Logan Mercado and Rio Britton are both relievers who've been really good for them. Rio Britton was kind of in the same category as Aon last year. He was a, a freshman pitcher yeah. who Walls was really high on. And, uh, yeah, he, he's really succeeded out of the, the bullpen. He's only, you know, he's one of only two left-handed pitchers on this staff. Um, and, and he's been really good. Still a few too many walks, like, like most of these pitchers, but he's been really good. Also, Logan Mercado, um, he's c- come out of nowhere. You know, he, he's a guy who you know, was, was pretty low on the pecking order. And, mm-hmm. and, you know, he pitched in all of two games last year. And you know, they, they used him once this year, he did well. They used him a second time, he did well. And you know, the better he did, they just started giving him more outings, especially a team struggling for pitching. They gave him more outings and until the most recent game. He had the best ERA on the team. He gave up a couple runs recently, but he's still been really, really good. You know, 234 ERA, 35 strikeouts, and 34 and two-thirds. He's been, you know, arguably their their best reliever. And also Colby Summers, their, their closer, is, is always someone to mention. He's, he's been uh-huh. in the program for a long time, um, but he's still been his usual great self as the best closer in the Pac-12. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. And we don't want to glimpse too far ahead. We have a lot of stuff, you know, the tournament, obviously. Even the regular, we're not done with conference play. But is there anything you've seen this season that might give you an idea as how the team might shape up next year or where their focus will be? It sounds like it's going to be pitching. Right, yeah. Like I mentioned, yeah, definitely the focus will be pitching. Also, they'll have some guys in the, the lineup to replace because, you know, the MLB draft is coming up. And, right. Uh, Josh Kasovich 
is, is going to be drafted. He's someone who's going to have a, a serious decision to make. Um, Anthony Hall will probably be drafted. Mm-hmm. Um, even guys like, like Tanner Smith and Drew Cowley will probably draw some pro interest. Um, yeah, going forward, also, Jacob Walsh is someone to look at to be drafted. Not this year because he's still a freshman, so yeah. he'll have at least one more year. But, yeah, so they're going to have a few guys to to replace. Although we said that last year, you know, I, we were all worried about losing Jovan Zavala Matthews, mm-hmm. and that went well. They they did a admittedly fantastic job recruiting. Like, you know, to find someone like Brendan Malone, who right. you know, was a weak hitter at South Carolina State or whatever, and you know, to find him, and, and now he has the highest average on the team. Yeah, he's leading the like, team. Yeah, exactly. if you had told me that going into the year, I would have been like, what? And, you know, if you told me that Drew Cowley would have a, a 504 on base percentage here in you know, mm-hmm. mid-May, yeah, it, it, it definitely worked out better than, than you could have expected there. So, yeah, well, we'll see if they can sort of replicate that magic. Um, but they'll still have yeah. some of their guys, you know, even if even if Hall and, and Kasovich go on to pro teams. So they'll still have a pretty good lineup. So, yeah, like you mentioned, I'm definitely more you know, more concerned about the, the starting pitching. I know I'm asking you to, to call a lot here, but if there was a player, you know, Brennan Malone took a lot of people by surprise this season, a player for next year hmm. on the active roster now, uh, who do you think has the best possibility? Right, well, you know, if I'm looking at the bench, someone like, Someone like Anson Arrows, who has only okay, one at bat this year. Yeah, that's an he, interesting. He's take. a highly ranked catcher prospect. Yeah, I'm honestly surprised we haven't seen more of him. I think there there might have been a, a health issue, but we we never got any details on that. Hmm. And he's always with the team. You know, he's always helping out. Um, he's supposed to be you know a great leader. I, I did a whole piece on him before the season. Um, yeah, and, and their catching depth is kind of stacked right now. And they also have this other guy, Logan Poshian, who doesn't have a single at bat this year. He he was confirmed to be hurt, and then haven't heard anything about him since. But he's another really highly ranked freshman catching prospect. So we haven't seen anything from those guys. And then, speaking of catchers, Bennett Thompson mm-hmm. has he just got his first two collegiate starts and has what five hits already. He's already five for ten. Yeah, yeah. I got to talk to him. He he was he was a great guy, and he's you know another freshman who you know he's highly regarded. Just hasn't found playing time on the on the team that's been using mostly Cromwick and Scanlon. Um, but yeah, who knows? He could break out. I mean, he's he's already showed signs of it in his his first two collegiate starts. So yeah, definitely some some depth at the the catcher position. Um, you know, maybe we'll see Bryce Betcher play more next year. We we haven't seen a lot of him this year just because it's been so stacked and because of uh, Colby Shade's breakout. Mm-hmm. But but he he's he was solid for them last year. Is that something that you feel like Wazikowski should evaluate a little bit? I mean, obviously yeah. we resent taking tanking. Sorry, of course. But, uh, I mean, do you think the sole focus should be on trying to go deep in the tournament as possible or maybe kind of throwing some of these young guys in to just evaluate talent a little more? Yeah, well, well, right now I think they should focus on winning. I mean, yeah, yeah, might, might as well go all out. And the thing is, I think, you know, Scanlon and, and Cromwick are, are still going to be here next year most likely. So they're, they're definitely going to have some decisions to make. You know, it wouldn't shock me, honestly, if— Logan Poshian ends up transferring because, yeah, you know, if if there's no catching room and you know he already transferred once from from ASU and I don't even think he ended up playing for them. But yeah, it's, it's kind of tough. But I guess it's better to have too much than than not enough because catcher was kind of a weak spot last year, completely different now. But also, if we're looking at you know the pitching for someone who I think could break out, you know, I think Aon, like I was mentioning, in year I, three, yeah, I, I could see him, you know. I don't think he's going to be a dominant Friday guy, but next year, I, 
if it wouldn't shock me if you put up you know a sub four ERA if you mm-hmm. built you know because he, he can build off the experience he's had this year and also you know Rio Britain I at times I've been wondering if they're gonna try to push him into the rotation because uh, he you know he was a guy who was kind of in the same boat as as Ann last year someone they they could have made a starter and they've they've chosen to elect him as as a reliever since they only have uh, two left-handed guys yeah but. Yeah, and how about R.J. Gordon? Uh, do you feel like he'll, you know, he's come into his own as kind of a relief pitcher? Do you think that's going to continue, or do you think he might have a, a bigger role next season? Yeah, it's a tough one because you know I don't think he's spectacular stuff wise. Yeah. Um, but but he has it. You know, if he if he finds success in the in the bullpen, then then I would keep him there. You know, I I might even lean. That ain't broke, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. If I, I might even lean. You know, trying Britain out in the rotation next year instead of Gordon. Absolutely. Even though Waz might be hesitant to you know to to move him there because you know he's a, he's a lefty and he and he's been effective out of the bullpen, mm-hmm. but it, I I don't think it would hurt to, to try him out there. Yeah. Tommy Brandenburg. He he's an interesting case because he's a freshman who started the year in the rotation. He was their their number four guy, um, and and he showed some promise. Uh, he has a he has a nice curveball, um, but. The walks were, were were pretty brutal, and and they bumped him from their rotation pretty quickly, and he's had a, a few relief appearances here and there. I could kind of see him breaking out. I honestly, yeah, I, if it were up to me, I probably would have been going to him with some of these starts, especially on Sundays. Um, mm-hmm. You know, since they don't really have a lot else. I, I know Waz likes Jace Stoffel, which, you know, fine. I, I definitely want to see what he can do, but I, I, if it were up to me, I'd still give Brandenburg another chance. I, I'm not ready to to write him off after a few shaky outings as, as a, a freshman. He was one of like a very small amount of freshmen to even make a, an opening rotation at the, at the beginning of the season. It's pretty rare for, for freshmen to be in that role. And even though he didn't last long, I mean, you know, and he's still only allowed a, a 250 average this year. So the problem has really just been walks. So if he can refine his stuff and maybe get an extra tick or two in his fastball, because he only throws mid to high eighties, maybe occasionally tops out at 90. So doesn't throw super hard. If he can add a tick or two in his fastball and and just refine his his stuff more to where he's, you know, limiting the walks to a respectable amount, then he's definitely someone I think to keep an eye on next year. Yeah, there. I mean, there are a lot of young guys, and I feel like they're definitely building the team the right way. But yeah, not done yet. Gonzaga tonight, or whenever you guys are listening to this, and then Arizona series, and then the tournament. So uh, exciting stuff! Exciting stuff on the way. Uh, you got anything else to add? Yeah, definitely excited for the tournament. Um, you know, go and, donate by the way. Yeah, de- yes. yeah. You can go to to Twitter on ODE Sports. Um, yeah, I, I'm excited for the tournament. You know, anything can happen in baseball, it, especially in such a small mm-hmm. sample size. You know, like who knows? Cal could get hot and make a bit at winning the tournament. You just you never know with this stuff. And if Oregon's offense gets hot, I, I think they they have a real chance of of winning the tournament. Absolutely. All right, well, that'll wrap it up for the baseball section. Thank you, Mojo, for joining me, and I will be back in a few seconds with softball. All right, welcome, everybody, to the softball section. I am joined here today by Dylan Conway. Dylan. Hey, thanks for having me. I really, really appreciate it. Yeah, welcome it. to the, the lab here, as we call it. Um, you've been covering softball this season, no? Yeah, I have. Pretty extensively? Yeah, pretty extensively. You know, I'm really enjoying it. Uh, team's really fun to watch. Um, and yeah, I'm excited to talk some softball with you. It's going to be fun. Awesome. Yeah, well, we'll give our uh, our listeners a little bit of context first. Uh, the Ducks 
right now are sitting at 31-17. And kind of similarly to the baseball team, they're riding the momentum right now. They've won five of their last six games that are on the precipice of the NCAA Fayetteville Regional, which actually kicks off tonight, I believe, Mm -hmm. uh, against Wichita State. Uh, The story of the season has kind of been good team, but brutal conference. They're 10 and 14 in the Pac-12 and have had to play teams like number three UCLA, number 11 Washington, 16 Arizona State, and 25 Arizona. So that's, you know, four ranked teams. Uh, Dylan, what has this team showed you so far? And do you think that kind of this gauntlet of a conference they've had to run has primed them for success in the postseason? I mean, yeah, you nailed that. I mean, the conference, it's it's known as one is the hardest conference in uh, college softball. You've got so many ranked teams. There, there's like six or seven ranked teams in the conference all year. And that was the downfall of their season for the most part. They were killing it uh, before conference, conference play. And then they hit um, a span where they lost <clears throat> They lost 11 of 12 conference games. They lost three in a row to UW, three in a row to UCLA, three in a row to ASU, and lost 2-1 uh, to one in their series to Arizona. And, uh, you know, they came back and responded, and they won five of their last six in conference games to end the season which is how you want to end the season going into regionals. Absolutely. Um, I mean, the positive I take out of it, and of course the negative is they lost a lot of those games, but the positive that I take out of it is that they've seen the best of the best, you know? So if they end up facing Arkansas in the finals of this regional, you know, they've seen teams like that all year. So, I mean, they may not have won a lot of those games, but they've seen the competition a lot other teams haven't seen. Wichita State, for example, they're going to play them mm-hmm. today um, at 5.30, Wichita State hasn't faced, and I mean, they've played some good teams, but they've lost all of them. Not nearly enough uh, compared to Oregon um, in terms of the top 25 matchups. So, you know, it was a tough stretch. They're a good team. They can beat anybody. Um, but again, uh, just to reiterate, I think those tough games played and being in a tough conference, I think that'll help them in the long run. Absolutely. It's kind of it's kind of like iron sharpens iron. You exactly. know? And I can think of like... There's not a lot of scenarios where you play in conference and then go to a regional and it's like a decrease in competition. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that's definitely an interesting situation. Uh, but I want to move a little bit into the pitching because the mound looks completely different this season. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Ducks have been playing without star pitcher Brooke Yanez, who uh, missed the entire season due to injury. Uh, and because of that, they've had to rely a lot on some of their younger players, like freshman Stevie Hansen and junior McKenna Cleathermes, uh, with some others kind of working in relief. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it appeared to be working. They started out 24-5, as you said, but then in April they faced that tough stretch when they started playing with conference teams. But it looks like it's stabilized. Uh, Sheridan Hawkins came back to town, big alumni here, uh, which was great for morale. I know some of the ladies really enjoyed listening to her. Uh, would you expect kind of this hot streak to continue, or do you think kind of the youth on a bigger stage might present some problems? <clears throat> so I think that's actually the biggest question heading into regionals because of their, because of their matchup. Uh, Stevie Hansen and Cleet Thermos, you know, Stevie especially, freshman, came out, you know, really, really good throughout the entire season, had 12 strikeouts against uh, Portland State, which was uh, her career high, hit a tough patch, just like the whole team did when they, when he hit conference play, played in the game where they lost 9-0 to, to UW, and a few other tough ones here and there, but then again, Iron Sharpens Iron, I think those games will help her in terms of experience, but um, it, her weakness has definitely shown some of those conference games. Click Thermos, on the other hand, started slow, 3.79 ERA, 9-5 record. Yeah. She started slow, but then towards the end of the season, the two uh, between uh, Hanson and Click Thermos became a tandem. And between Oregon State and Stanford, those last two series, they were able to, you know, split games and both play in the same games and, you know, and uh, get wins together with both playing uh, a certain amount of innings. 
So in general, I think it's been a really big positive in terms of them coming together. And in the last uh, two series, uh, the most runs they've allowed is three. You know, they've yeah. they've been shutting it down um, with two shutouts to add. Um, the reason, back to my original point, the reason I said it's the biggest question heading into regionals in, in terms of pitching is that Wichita State is third in the nation in uh, batting average, including uh, Sydney. Good name, Sydney uh, McKinney, who's first in the nation in hits and batting average. She has 90 hits and a 5'11 batting average, yeah. as well as the leading uh, home run hitter in Addison Barnard with 32 home runs, which is first in the nation by five. So they, they're going to have their hands full of Wichita State. And again, they've had some tough games where they, I mean, they allowed nine to uh, UW, they allowed 12 to Arizona, I believe. And you know, it's a matter of stopping Wichita State in terms of the hitting because that's that's obviously their strength. You know, Wichita State, they're a hitting team. That's that's what they're known for. They're third in the nation in batting average. And in terms of the pitching, you know, that's really going to be the story with the Ducks. They're a great hitting team. Um, you know they'll be able to hang with Wichita State if it does get into a high-scoring game. But the pitching has got to be there today um, in Fayetteville uh, against Wichita State. They're a powerhouse in terms of hitting. Mm-hmm. Um, we've seen both pitchers be really strong at times this year, but again, they've they've played you know some really good teams um, with the same strength as Wichita State. So, to summarize, you know it could be a positive again that they've played really good teams like UW and UCLA who are hitting powerhouses, but that's got to come to fruition today against Wichita State. Yeah, absolutely. And it, I mean, <clears throat> I'm gonna get a little a critique a little bit, but is the is the depth a concern, do you think? Because I look at last year's squad, even in a COVID year, it seemed like they had a really good rotation and depth, not on the mound, mm-hmm. not only on the mound, but in the field. Uh, and right now, I mean, we na- Hanson, Clithermes, and Jordan Dale is like all they have, with the exception of, you know, Reagan Breedlove and Allison Benning, who haven't been getting a lot of reps. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you think that could be an Achilles heel or something that might sink the Ducks? I, it's definitely possible. It really is. I mean, the the Yana's injury has really hurt them. They've had to rely on a freshman the entire exactly. season. I mean, Stevie Hansen, she's played. She, st- she started against UCLA in two games, and UCLA has been top five in the league the entire year in Los Angeles. Like, imagine as a freshman, you're getting, you're getting two starts, and that was that was her intro to conference play, to top five. The Pac-12. UCLA, yeah, oh, Pac-12 yeah. conference, top five UCLA in Los Angeles. So... I mean, then again, like she's she's seen the she's already been in the situation. So in terms of like nerves and, you know, the pressure of regionals, I don't think that'll be a problem. But then again, the depth, you know, it 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 could be an issue. It really could, because, you know, it's pretty much those two pitches right there. The other three mentioned are, you know, getting innings here and there, but have not been really in place as a starting position uh, the entire year in terms of hitting. um, it, it, the depth there is also a big question. Mm. Um, in my eyes, there are two um, <clears throat> really consistent hitters on the Ducks in uh, Hannah Delgado and Allie Bunker. Those two have been consistent all year long. Um, McGowan also, you know, she's only played half the games because of injury, but she's also been, you know, really consistent. Um, other than that, you know, there's been a lot of ups and downs. Um, a glaring one that sticks out to me is Ariel Carlson, who leads the team in home runs with 13, I believe. Um, but but is in the middle of the pack in terms of batting average. So it's either, you know, a home run or a strikeout, it seems, sometimes with her. Um, so a lot of the hitters on the roster, I feel like sometimes you don't know what you're going to get from them. But 
then again, you've got Delgado and Bunker leading the charge every game. They're consistent. And if they find a way to lead everyone else into having strong games in regionals today, Bunker especially having the experience, mm-hmm. um, I think things things would go well. But well, you, you're not wrong in that. That is a question. Yeah. Well, Bunker's been on fire lately, so mm-hmm. I'm really glad you mentioned her. But, I mean, you're right. You mentioned Ariel Carlson, 13 home runs with... 268 batting average. Mm-hmm. I mean, that kind of shows you how up and down that. Yeah, it's weird. And um, those kind of players, especially, it's like, you know, they're, it's exciting when they get up to bat. But with that, with that batting average, you really don't know what you're yeah. going to get. The positive you can't take out of it is that they have players like that within their deep in their lineup, mm-hmm. deep in their starting lineup. That I mean, Valerie Wong also has 10 home runs, which is you know top three on the team, um, but doesn't even doesn't start every game. Um, those are the kind of players you want in regionals. Players that are deep in your lineup that can just you know pop out out of nowhere and hit a home run, but if they just if they disappear in the biggest stage, it could be a, it could be a big problem. Yeah, and I want to touch on last season a little bit and talk about Alyssa Brito, the shortstop who transferred to Oklahoma, because she was spectacular mm-hmm. last season, not only in the field but at the the place hitting. How much do you think the Ducks have maybe missed her? And is there a player you feel, you know, like Delgado who has stepped up in her absence? I mean, Delgado's been great this year. Um, she, I think as a sophomore, she's shown that she's acts more of, of a veteran than most other sophomores, if that makes sense. They've definitely missed out on Brito, but I feel like they've had a lot of great freshmen. Um, mm-hmm. uh, Paige to Nikki's just one, uh, uh, you know, comes, comes to mind. She's a freshman, had started most games this year, played really well. Um, but back to Delgado, I mean, one thing, one example, she, one, one thing she talks about is that, um, uh, she never swings on her first at bat. It's or on her first pitch on her at bats. It's very rare that she swings on it. Yeah, and I think that just shows her patience. And I feel like a lot of players at her age wouldn't do that and would want to swing at most pitches, even when they're there. You know, she really takes her time at reading the reading the pitcher, seeing what they're giving her, and then acting on it. And it's paid off for her. You know, she's uh, second on the team in batting average, second on the team in hits. Um, and again, she's only a sophomore, so I think those kind of things um, are really rare when it comes to those um, you know players and things like that um, help in the absence of players like Brito and other players they've lost. And I think she's been the most consistent, which is huge, especially when you have Ariel Carson, who mm-hmm. you know peaks and valleys. Uh, but we already mentioned her. Let's go back to Ali Bunker, the senior infielder, who over these past two games. Wow, she's been huge. She hit a triple in that second Stanford yep. game and then uh, was big early and then a homer in the third. Uh, how big a help has she been of late, and do you think that's going to continue against Wichita State? I mean, the, the consistency is huge. I think it will continue. In terms of the whole roster, I think she's the most consistent. I mean, uh, .353 batting average, um, 59 hits, which leads the team. Uh, whenever she's there, you expect something. Yeah. Uh, it's very rare that um, there's... She doesn't provide anything for the team, um, whether it's small or big things, things that don't even show up on the stat sheet. You know, she's always within the action. Um, I think she's the backbone of um, the starting lineup in terms of hitting. I agree. She's you know she's a veteran. She's been to regional before. Uh, she knows what it takes to win. Um, I think it's gonna be players like her that are really gonna step up in the game tonight and further down the further on the way in regionals. Um, and that, just like you said, uh, the triple against Stanford, she's she's come out in the big moments. Mm-hmm. And I agree, it's players like her that are really gonna st- really gonna stand out and need to stand out too if they want to get wins. Yeah, and I think a, I was kind of expected of her uh, this season. Mm-hmm. But 
Has there been, on the kind of the flip side, a particular player who has caught your eye who maybe you didn't expect to pop off this year who really has? That's a good question. I mean, K.K. Humphreys really stands out, just like um, just looking at the roster here. Uh, 307 batting average, which is third on the starting lineup, uh, 42 hits. Um, it's just someone that I feel like is always there in the big moments, you know, six home runs. She's had none come none come to mind just right at the dome. But there's a lot of in-game moments I remember her being, you know, really really effective in terms of you know getting a key hit or um, being at the center of a big play. You know, um, I think you know she's been really big. I mentioned uh, Paige Nikki already. You know, the freshman, mm-hmm. she's been really great. Um, you know, you could go all the way down the roster. I mean, this this roster is really deep. One thing that also sticks out to me too is Melissa Lombardi. She very rarely uses the same starting lineup order. I don't know if she thinks she has this year. She changes it every game, yeah. which I think is telling to how deep their roster is. Um, some might argue that it's not a great thing to do that in terms of you know having players in certain spots consistency, consistently might make them better. Um, but I think it... I think it shows how deep the roster is and that they can do any order they want and still be effective. Um, but back to your question, you know, I think KK Humphreys and Paige Nikki have both really stood out. And especially when, you know, Ali Bunker and Handel Delgado aren't, you know, being their normal selves and, you know, getting those big plays, those are the players in Humphreys and Sinicki that are really going to thrive in the pressure, I think. And it's there's also, you know, Sinicki again, she's a freshman. It's her first shot at regionals. It's going to be really interesting to see how she how she performs. Like I said before, I don't think there will be any pressure issues or uh, anything like that that will affect the team because they've played so many big in-conference games this year. But that I'll be looking forward to in tonight's game. Yeah, and Rachel Sid, too, I wanted to mention her. She's, especially this last series against Stanford, really caught on. Um, But I think uh, we don't want to sound too foolish because this episode is going to go up after the Wichita State game. Mm -hmm. But uh, predictions for this game beyond, uh, how do you see things playing out? I think I think they're winning the regional. I'm gonna be honest. I, I think their I think their experience has you know helped them along the way, and I think that it'll push them towards the end. They got Wichita State tonight, which I've already talked about their their hitting power and some of the players they have. If they win this game, they get Arkansas, and Arkansas, you know, they're no different. They're they're they they're, they're the four overall seed. They have a 44 and nine record, which is pretty decent, and they've beaten a ton of top 25 teams throughout. Have. Uh, Lenny Malkin, who has 20 home runs. Danielle Gibson, who is a 4-4-2 average um, and is eighth in the nation in hits. So they, they also have hitters. But I'm picking the Ducks. I'm picking them to win the regional. Um, I think they have what it takes. Uh, they've seen t- teams like Arkansas and Wichita State all year. It's about stringing those wins together. And they've had enough losses that they know that, you know, it leaves a bad taste in your mouth. You know, yeah. After getting swept three different times to in-conference teams, uh, they've already been through their, um, you know, downstretch, and I think it's gonna, you know, it's gonna help them in the end, on the biggest stage, and they're they're gonna win their regional. I'm exactly. Confident. Yeah, I'm a hundred percent with you, and I just, I mean, it's kind of so convenient that this all happened when uh, Hawkins came back to town. Uh huh. You know? Yeah. I mean, that's when that's when they hit their. They needed it. Yeah. Exactly, and I, I think it's gonna continue. I love where this team's at right now. It's just um, it, it's just a perfect way to end the season. I mean, they had exactly. such a tough stretch in the Pac-12 play. To win, and the biggest question too is they're playing the best teams in UCLA and UW, right. and you know everyone's like, okay, you know they're playing really good teams. It'd be nice to get wins, but you know it's understandable they're playing the best of the best, and then they're going to series against OSU and uh, Stanford, who are, aren't ranked, and we're like, okay, 
we need to win these games if we're really competitive because they're they're at risk of not even uh, you know making regionals having lost both those series at the end right um they came to play they won five of their last six and that you know that's a huge way to end this and end the season especially Stanford they were down one zero and and knocked off two in a row in Stanford to win that series I think that's really telling about where this team is and if it was the other way around of them winning a lot and then losing two at the end, I'd feel a little more different. concerned. Exactly, yeah. yeah. But I think that that makes me more confident. And again, I'm calling them to win this regional. Well, there you have it, ladies and gentlemen, from the horse's mouth. Oh, yeah. I'll, I'll add one more thing. Um, just to add to my uh, Oregon prediction to win the regional, I think my pick to win the whole thing is UCLA. Um, it's a hot take, but we've seen them before. Uh, Number three, I don't know if that's... I mean, everyone's... It's a lukewarm you know, tape. Yeah, it's, it, okay, yeah. Fair, it's lukewarm tape. But everyone's running Oklahoma, who uh, has, has a crazy yeah. record. Um, you've got all these SEC teams that, I mean, Florida State, you know, they're number two. Yeah, it might not be the craziest take, but no, I'm still riding UCLA in turn to win the whole thing. We saw them against Oregon earlier this year. Their pitching, their experience, I think I, I'm calling it. I'm going two for two of my picks. Oregon's going to win the regional, and UCLA's going to win the whole thing. I got to caution you about picking these Pac-12 teams because we were covering basketball. This is going completely off topic. But uh-huh. uh, I saw, uh, I was like, Arizona's really good. And I picked them in the Final Four, and I think they went out in like the Sweet 16. I think the, I, they're, they're either my, I think they might have been my champion. Either either that or, yeah. or in the finals. That That's hey, that's different. It's basketball. It's a whole different it's game. entirely different sport. You're yeah. Right. I mean, if if we're going off strength of conference in sports, the softball Pac-12 conference Can't is be much better than the the basketball. I mean, yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, three three good teams this year. They all lost in the Sweet 16. Um, but yeah, those th- those are my picks. But th- thanks for the caution. I appreciate that. All right. Well, we'll see how things play out. Well, uh, regionals, tune in probably on Pac-12 or just show up. You ESPN know? Plus. Yes, sir. All right. Uh, That's going to do it for us. Dylan, thank you for joining me. And uh, we will see you next week. Peace.